Distress Frequency, original horror, sci-fi, and adventure from Columbus, Ohio. We're taking you tonight to the space station Palomino. Palomino is a small communications relay station serving as the tertiary link between Mars and the belt. It hangs about 2.75 AUs from the sun, about 5 degrees north of the ecliptic. It was chartered by the government of Mother Mars, and the station's clocks are all set to Marsburg time. It holds about 130 human souls in a terrarium, a closed ecosystem where food, water, and oxygen must be held in perfect balance by sophisticated algorithms and rigid social norms perfected over generations. In its physical form, it's about as far from the ancestral home as you can be, but in its social development, it's basically a small town. Before we begin, let me get to some business. You are encouraged to find shoutouts and show notes on our website, distressfrequency.com, and find us on Twitter at distressfreak, that's distressfreq. If you're picking up what we're putting down, I encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. Anyway, our feature presentation is about to begin. The station administrator sits down in his chair, thumbs on the memo recorder, and begins to speak. Palomino Station isn't big enough to have a sheriff. There's hardly any crime to speak of. There's nowhere to run, nothing to steal, and few items are so precious that the owner won't lend them to you if you ask nicely. We're all station-born, so everyone here knows you and your fathers from birth. And I'm the station administrator, so if things get too rowdy, I can always put some psychotropics in the water supply. Don't think I won't do it. Or haven't. Now I said before that we had one murder on my watch, and I have to say that I don't think there would have been one if old man Allen hadn't lived so long. Palomino Station has about 130-odd souls. In a town that small, the mathematics and demographics of life are pretty unsentimental. Most of us will get some kind of cancer at some point, and we had figured old man Allen had finally met his, so we went ahead and gave the Connor family the A-OK to have kids. They'd been waiting a long time, you see. But then the Connors had twins, and then Allen pulled through, so at that point we had three extra mouths to feed. Then there was a pretty weak harvest that year, and then we spent two years with half rations. I don't think anybody blamed Mr. Allen directly, not to his face anyway, but he felt mighty bad about it. Anyway, in the fullness of time, he went his way. Oh, I know, you wanted to hear about the murder. I'm getting to that. The other parameter in this little equation is young Becky Clevenger. She was born about two years before the Connor twins, and she was our first birth since the Parmander boy about seven years before her. The next child we got was the Thompson boy about ten years after the Connors. So she and the Connors ended up as this strange half-generation. They all ended up lumped together for everything. They did all their schooling together. They played around the station, pulled the fire alarms, danced in the detox foam, all that normal kid stuff they did together. They all got to know each other pretty well over the years. It was gradual, but somehow the Connor boys went from pulling Becky's pigtails to feuding over the right to hold her hand. I recall really noticing it when they were about 16 and she was about 18. I thought it looked friendly enough, but the other people thought they saw an edge to it. One of those boys was going to get left out, and it was a pretty long walk to the next town to find new prospects. For her part, Becky liked the attention some, and she liked them okay as people, but I don't know that she relished the choice. If she had a wider cohort to choose from, she'd have found somebody with a little more polish, a little bit more literature, and a lot less roughneck. But what else was she going to do? Her next option was the Parminder boy, a good seven years older than her, or the Thompson boy, 12 years younger than her. 
or she could be the junior wife to one of the elder couples. Not an unheard of situation out here on the frontier, but not her first choice. But that's life in the small town, right? She took a skeptical eye to her two suitors and set herself in for a long siege. I'll never forget that morning. I remember the air smelled a little fresher and the whole station seemed a little lighter. I woke up with a little extra pep in my step. Then I realized that there was a little extra oxygen in the air. Someone was missing. As the station administrator, I'm the closest thing we had to law in Palomino Station, so I set out to find the Connor twins. But it wasn't long before I found Cody Connor on the promenade deck, pitching woo with Becky Clevenger. He was pitching pretty hard, too. Let's get out of this little town, Becky. Just say goodbye to all of it. Just grab an escape pod, spend a few years in stasis, get to a bigger rock than this. Oh, Cody, I told you boys I don't like being pressed. Or a planet. We can make planet fall. Be Flatlanders for a while. Oh, a planet. With all that gravity. Cody turned pale when he saw me. He knew. Cody, where's your brother? Where's Bill? Cody didn't try to run. There's nowhere to go on Palomino. He just hung his head and cried. Well, it wasn't hard to tell what happened to Mr. Bill Connor. The airlocks keep all records. Mr. Vacas unlimbered the telescope and found poor Bill floating out in space some 70,000 kilometers in our wake, body heat moving toward the low end of Kelvin. We thought about sending a rocket to pick up the body, but we were short on rocket fuel just then, and floating in space was no less dignified than going into the recycler. So, out in space he floats. Our orbit will take us back past him in another 80 years. We held a service, though. Mr. Vacas said a few words, and we sang a few of the old songs. We let the Connor boy come, and he wept like a child the whole time while his mother hung on to him. His father stood stone-faced, but he held his arm tight around Mrs. Connor, and she held on to young Cody, so I suppose he held his son in his own way. He was losing two sons that day. It was I who administered the punishment. I loaded young Cody into the auto doctor and fitted the cap on his head. His mother held his hand and shh, that it'd be all right. Mom, I'm awfully sorry, Mom. Mom, you won't let them do this. Mom, can't you stop them? Farrell Wilson put in the sedative. I tightened the straps on the cap on Cody's head and the auto doctor did its work, cutting out all the spark and leaving what was gentle and compliant. On the frontier, we can't allow murderers to go unpunished, but we're also short of strong backs. We expected another 40 years of good work out of the Connor boys, and we can't afford to be shorthanded. Like I said, the math out here on the frontier is unsentimental. So now Cody does what we ask, and he works hard, and everyone more or less likes him. Those that don't like him abort him, but he's not sharp enough to notice. He dotes after young Becky Clevenger for reasons he can't quite remember, and she seems to have made a sort of peace with him. We saved a little of Cody's genetic material, not that Becky'd want to have a murderer's child, but the Connors have always been good breeding stock. Being twins, I reckon Cody's material is about the same as Bill's. Mr. and Mrs. Connor would never ask Becky to bear them a grandchild, but I don't doubt that she considers it. Sometimes she seems a bit wistful as she considers the young Harry Thompson or a few of the older couples. And that's that.
That's the record of the Palomino Station murder. You have been listening to the Palomino Station murder. The man who spoke to you was Micah Jenkins. Additional voices were Tony Goins as Cody Connor and Alicia Yates as young Becky Clevenger. Written and produced by Tony Goins. So that was a quick trip to Palomino Station. Is that our last trip there? Eh, maybe not. As I said before, our website is distressfrequency.com and reach out to us on Twitter at distressfreak, that's distress F-R-E-Q. We'd love to hear from you. We don't get that many visitors this far out. <laughs>